Hey there, happy Sunday, happy Sunday. And just thinking about how, you know, the price you pay to be engaged in life or the, the price you pay to, to be engaged with people is the melodrama of it. And I don't mean for this to sound like, oh, people are sheep. Oh, God, people much. Oh, people much. You know, I mean this to sound like that. Although, you know, to be fair, as stupid as that shit is, as stupid as it is when people are like, oh, people much? Oh, God, I hate people. Oh, oh my God, there's so much drama and melodrama. People, people are just so dramatic. You know, as much as that's annoying for people to say it, the reason they say it is because it's true. You know, the reason why people say, oh, people are sheep. Oh, you ever noticed that people are sheep? Like as if that's a clever thought. And I resist thinking that way, of course. But the reason why people say that is that there's a reason to think that way. You know, if you live life and know people, experience enough, there's reason why just observing how it all works will make you think that and say that. It's just you have to resist the urge to do that. You know, you have to resist the urge to be that person who, you know, when I was growing up, for whatever reason, this is another one of those things, immediate tangent here. We like a we like a good old immediate tangent, but you know one of the things that I, I loved <laughs> about nerds growing up is they all gravitated toward those black shirts with the white writing. Hot Topic started selling them. I'm not sure when. Yeah, I'm not sure when Hot Topic and like Spencer's Gifts started making shirts that say like I see stupid people, or you know the random ones that are like. The reason I keep my eyes open is because when I close them, the evil clowns will scream at me, whatever that one says. <laughs> That's not exactly what it says, but uh, at some point those became really popular, though, with like a certain sort of rebellious nerd, which wasn't like the, tra the traditional nerd you didn't think of as a rebel. You know, the idea of kind of the rebellious nerd is relatively new. Nerds are actually thought of as someone who's like really a square like they wear glasses, have a pocket protector, they're really into school, they're really into these like really wholesome but obscure interests. It, it was a relatively new thing. I don't even know if like Gen X had this as much. Like I don't even think Gen X, from I can remember, really had the rebellious nerd. Like I guess you could say like punks and like rockers to some degree. It's like they were kind of the nerds who were finding a way to not be nerds. But this is something else that like my generation, I think had the first uh, wave of, which was like these nerds who like thought, I think it might've been an internet thing maybe. Like you think about like people who got on the internet and were nerdy people. Like they were into video games, technology. They talked in that deadpan nerd voice. Um, okay. Like they took on that way of talking that I've talked about before. Um, but they were you know, kind of the first wave of that. And they, they spent a lot of time online and, but they also wore like, they were, they were kind of not quite full blown mall goths, but they kind of took on, they would wear hot topic shirts that say like, I see stupid people. You know, they, they kind of got into that where they weren't even being rebellious. Like you wouldn't look at them and think of them as rebels, but you could tell that's what they were trying to be. Like they were into new metal. They were into hard rock. 
it really had no aesthetic sense whatsoever. Like, for whatever reason, the guy who comes to mind, I had a class with him in high school. He was very fat. He wore the, those shirts, and he was a senior. Like, I was a sophomore, and he was a senior, so he was a couple years older than me. He had red hair, super ginger. Like, the worst kind of ginger, too, where it's like the hair, it's like really light. Like, not strawberry blonde. Like, it's just straight up orange. But it's like this really light where it's like, so it like blends in with the pale skin even more. It's, it's a weird... I would like to evaluate, I, I, like I know it's easy to be like, oh, gingers, you ever think gingers are funny? Oh my God, gingers are funny. You know, I don't even mean to go there with it, but I think it is interesting how like there are distinct types of gingers and it'd be interesting to like compare the different kinds, like compare the different shades of hair, compare the different skin tones. This guy had the worst one though, because it was like very bright, but light red, uh, orange hair. And then, of course, very pale and then very fat. And then he wore those shirts and he would sleep every day in class. And the teacher one time, I had this like ex-Vietnam, he was a diver in Vietnam and reminded us of that every day. He saw this kid sleeping yet again. He went over and he just kicked the underside of the desk like violently. And this kid like shot up and was like, what the, f you know, but this guy, like he wore those shirts and he was very much a nerd. Like, um, okay. Uh, that's, you know, they, they, they all talked in that kind of deadpan Janine. It's like they were doing a bad Janine Garofalo impression or something is how it always sounded to me. But those guys, you know, for whatever reason, like just like doing that voice, you know, I remember talking about that on here, uh, like the voice that they all have for some reason, like my generation of nerds, like nerds in the 1950s didn't talk like that. I, at some point, though, when I was growing up, like all of the teenage nerds started talking in that deadpan, um, okay, you know, it, it just, I think they think it's funny or something. It's it's kind of like, it's sarcastic because that was kind of Jean Garof Janine Garofalo's shtick is like this kind of deadpan sarcasm. I don't think all these nerdy boys and, and people, though, were into Janine Garofalo so much that they decided to talk like her. They picked that up somewhere, and it, like, traveled among them. And it's very uncharismatic. Like, it's not that they sound cool. Like, because you can understand it, like, when someone, like, even Wiggers and people like that. Like, I could understand, like, why people started talking in, like, Ebonics, even though they sounded like idiots. Like, I can understand why, like, kids in the suburbs started talking that way. Because there was kind of some social currency to it. Like, you sounded street, you sounded hip, you sounded cool. With this nerd one, though, it's like, I guess they like it, or they think it's, like, the right way to talk. But I just never understood, like, where that originally came from. Like, what was the source of that? Was it just, like, nerds mingling with each other? But it had to come from somewhere, because most things do. Um, but, uh... They also decided that, like, they liked those shirts. Like, the ones who thought they had a rebellious streak in them, they were just kind of into new metal and stuff. I'm like, this is like 1999, 2001 era. They, like, got into those shirts. With, like, the, they were black, and they just say, you know, I see stupid people. Tangent aside, uh, <laughs> tangent over, like, that. there's a reason why, like, you can easily think that way. 
Like, there's a reason why you can easily go through life and be like, yeah, people are really fucking stupid. I mean, like, you go to the grocery store sometimes and, like, you really have to try not to look down on every single person you interact with. But that's the whole point. Like, that's where, like, a, a muscle has to be built. Like, that's where you have to actually put the effort in. Like, you have to put the effort in to not just look around and say, I see stupid people. Oh, my God, people that shape. Oh, look at these sheep. Oh, look at these sheep. You know, like you have to resist that urge in life. And it's worth resisting. It's really extremely worthwhile to not see other people that way. It's just that you know why they do. Like, you know there's evidence for that. It's, it's not all of the evidence. But there, there's evidence that people, that makes it very easy to, to look at other people that way. And and it, one of the reasons for that, though, is like you see like where the mechanics of life are so often just these little spinning melodramas. You know, I really like that word story, like the idea of people having their own story. I picked that up from Krishna Das. I'm sure a lot of people use it, but I, I personally picked it up from listening to like something Krishna Das was saying because somebody was asking him, you know, you know, what do you what about like getting sucked into these like when somebody causes an issue with you or somebody gets upset at you or like they they have some ill will against you or or they create some sort of drama with you and he's like well the you know that's just their story you know they they have their people have their stories that's kind of how they pretend to have meaning is like they invent this story oh so and so did this to me oh i didn't like it when you did this i wanted you to do this but you did this other thing Oh, I wanted you to go and do this with me, but you didn't, you, you know, oh, like I asked you to order takeout and I wanted the pad thai and you got me the, uh, the chicken tikka, uh, I guess that's not even the same sort of food. <laughs> like I wanted the pad thai and you got me like the evil jungle noodle. Oh, my night's ruined. Like that's somebody's story right there. I wanted this, but you gave me that. And even when it's something good, like it's understandable why it's like, oh, like I wanted the pad thai and you put a garbage, instead of giving me the pad thai, like you came over and put a garbage bag around my, my head and tied a rope around my neck and tried to kill me. Like that is a valid, like that's a story. <laughs> you know, That's not even a story. Like you didn't create that. Like that's, that's whoa, what the fuck? Somebody tried to kill me. I wanted pad thai. You tied a garbage bag around my neck and then tied a rope around it. You tried to kill me. You're like, that's not manufactured. Like, I guess you could be like, you know, maybe if you're truly Zen, you could even like find, you could just passively deal with that. Just be like, oh yeah, this is just somebody's story. The one where they try to kill me. But I mean, it's understandable why you react to some things. Like there are some things that's just, if you don't react to them, it's crazy. You're crazy. But so many of the things that we do react to are like the other one where it's like, oh, my girlfriend, she asked me like what I, w I mean, I always tell the story on here because it, to me, it's so telling, but like where my, my ex-girlfriend and I, we would order takeout from the same place we lived right, or she lived right by this uh, Asian restaurant. So we would get takeout from there, like at least once a week, if not more. And I knew things were over. I knew that like this thing was not salvageable. 
when one time like we were ordering what we order and I ordered the same thing I usually order and she was like, oh, like I could tell that she was genuinely disgusted with me. Like I could tell that like she was genuinely disgusted that I was so predictable. Meanwhile, she was too. And she probably hated that about herself. Like she would get the same fucking food everywhere too. She would say the same things in every conversation too. Like we would both do it. That's what you do. I think like part of people being, uh, I think like, like, I don't know shit about relationships. Obviously I don't make them work, but I think one of the, one of the ways that they work is like, you have to find somebody who you're willing to say the same thing to and do the same thing with for the rest of your life and not hate them for it. That seems to be a part of friendship. I mean, cause I'm even thinking about my good friends and like the number of times that we've had the same conversation, it's crazy. (laughs) <laughs> like the, the number of times that, and like we both know it and sometimes we'll even say it. We're like, oh, we're talking about this again. And yet we do it, but we don't hate each other for it. When you start hating somebody for that, it's not going to work. Same thing for like ordering takeout food. And I knew like when that girlfriend was like, I could tell she was truly actually disgusted. Not she's, we're not sharing food. We don't eat family style. We get our own dishes and that's it. But it was like, she was so bored and disgusted with me that I, she knew what I was going to order. I ordered it and it, it, it just, she didn't like it. But, um, a good example of somebody's story right there. Like think about how absurd that is. Like, obviously that's just a symptom of the fact that this thing isn't working out. I would never say that that was all important, but it shows you how like everything attaches itself to that. Cause the same thing is true for anybody's story. Like in that moment, that was a story. Oh, he's ordering the same thing. Oh my God. Like my boyfriend and I live in a time and place where we can order takeout food from a freaking Asian immigrant restaurant. These, we live in a time and place where people can just travel across the world and open a restaurant and we can, we have the money and the the time to get takeout. Like the, the places across the street so we can go there whenever we want. We don't even have to drive. But instead it's like, oh my God, he's ordering the same thing from there. Oh my God, he's ordering the same thing. You know, instead, that's the story. It's not just like, isn't this amazing? Because because the story isn't about the food. It was about the fact that like, she's just fucking done with this. I broke up with her, but it was because of stuff like that, where I was like, oh yeah, that, that's what's happening here. But, uh, and we, we all have these stories and like, we all know that they, after the fact, like we usually feel stupid, like, like if you get in a fight with somebody, if you get in an argument with somebody, you usually feel stupid afterward. Like if you actually stop and think about what just happened, you feel stupid. You feel regret. And uh, it's because like you're like, whoa, that story just played out before my very eyes. And it's as if you can't even control it. And I think that's I think that's the real problem is that Everybody's going to have stories one way or another. Everybody has their story, but it's like, it's whether you know it's happening and whether you can control it. And if you know it's happening, you know, you can control it. Like if you know in the moment that you're getting mad, well, now you know that you're getting mad at like something and you can evaluate what that is and be like, is this worth getting mad at? And some days are just really fucking bad or some things happen that just really piss you off and you will get mad. But it's like it's knowing that it's happening when it's happening that allows you to do something about it or at least 
because that's the thing like you want to it's like you, you're not even experiencing it while it's happening like when somebody's mad it's almost like they're not even experiencing that it's almost like they have no control they're out of their body which is why when they return to themselves they're like fuck i can't believe I, that was really silly you know but the reason why people react to that though it's like it's never about the one individual thing like it's never about the takeout food you know it's never about the fact that like oh like i was really hoping that like we would get like a, a pizza with anchovies but everybody else voted to order just a pizza with cheese only and it's so boring oh my god i'm not gonna even enjoy this pizza tonight i wanted a different topping on the pizza and everybody else voted for if you're hanging out with a bunch of people voting on pizza toppings but everybody else voted for another topping and like i'm not even gonna enjoy this pizza like that's the world we live in oftentimes and it's not just affluence i mean there's there's poor people who live that way there's a lot of poor people who think that way like it's truly not something like we think of that way of thinking as like oh this is a first world problem and yeah like it is a problem that you you're not going to have if you're truly starving like if you're in some like african village truly starving you're not you're might not do that but i don't know to be honest the thing we always say that like we always say third world or we always say first world problems i don't say it but people say like oh that's a first world problem isn't it and i wonder like how much experience do you have in the third world like do you know that starving people don't like cause drama over bullshit like do you know for a fact that like their entire like social lives are just like i don't have any food i want food i don't have any food i want food or do you know like maybe they do have petty bullshit they bug each other about i truly don't know i've never been in that situation and i've never seen a documentary or like heard anybody really say like i've never heard like a starving ethiopian e ethiopian an ethiopian I've never heard a starving Ethiopian actually say like what their social life is like and whether there's like drama and melodrama. Like we have this idea that if you're starving and, and in like a war-torn country that you stop caring about bullshit. But I don't even know. I don't know how you, you know, I don't know. Maybe that stuff still happens like because life finds a way. But anyway, uh. With those things that people call first world problems, you know, they're often things that aren't about the individual thing. Like, it's not about the pizza topping that you didn't get but you wanted. It's not about, like, the the tiny little slight. Oh, the person in front of me in line at the grocery store talked to the cashier for a little longer than I would have liked. And... I had to wait in line. Oh, they were that person in front of me at, at line in the checkout counter. They were a little too chatty with the uh, the cashier, and because of that, I had to wait fifteen more seconds. You know, those are the things that upset us, that like fuel our daily stories. But it's like they're never about the pizza. They're never about that thing. They're never about the takeout food. You know, they're obviously symptoms of like some other sort of like unease. And not, I don't want to say unhappiness or anything like that, because I, I, people use that one too much. People really use like the whole unhappy, he doesn't seem happy. Happy people don't do that. People use that way too much. Like, everyone's happy and everyone's sad. Like, everybody goes through all sorts of shit. I, but I think like unease, like rather than like seeing that as like, oh, that person causes drama wherever they go. 
oh, that person causes drama wherever they go. Like, they must be really unhappy. You know, people say that shit. <laughs> they must be unhappy. Happy people don't do that. I, instead of that, I would say it's just kind of like some sort of like, almost like a spiritual unease or something. More than it is like misery or, or unhappiness. Because a lot of happy people do this shit. Who's happy anyway? You know, who's who's just permanently happy? But uh, with uh, yeah, it's like these things are symptoms. Like, just like like my girlfriend years ago being disgusted with me for ordering the same thing I always order from the same restaurant we order from every week. It's like, oh yeah, that's obviously a symptom of something else here. She doesn't actually care about that. It's a symptom of like the fact that this whole thing is going south. You know, getting upset about like a pizza topping, it's like that's a symptom. You know, that's that, that's not the actual source of the problem. And if you see it that way, well, like you can actually like discipline yourself to not react to those things to like the impact that your story has on you will be less. Because I think that's what it is. It's not that you can escape having a story because without a story, I don't know, life, I've never not had one. So I don't know what happens. Kind of like I don't know what life is actually like in a starving, war-torn African village. Like, I don't know what first world problems and third world problems are. Because um, I don't really know what kind of daily, like, social drama goes on in Ethiopia. Uh, <laughs> uh, but ju just like I don't know that, like, you know, I don't know what it's like to live a life without a story. Because I've always had one. Most of us have. Like, have I had moments where I don't feel that? Sure. There's meditation. There's different, just different experiences we have where, like, we, you know, that kind of ceases for a moment. You don't feel that for a moment. But it's usually very temporary. Like, using meditation as an example, which I'm very out of practice on for all kinds of reasons. But, uh... You know, during meditation, it's like you will have those moments where it's like that story isn't there. Your mind is not pulling those things out of its gutter and forcing them into your immediate consciousness. You're not thinking about your grocery list. You're not thinking about that thing that person said. You're not thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about this, whatever it is that our brain goes to. You'll have those moments and then, sure enough, like, something sneaks in under the door, and there's one of those things, oh, you're thinking about that. You're thinking about that. But aside from those brief moments, I don't know what it's like to actually go through life living it without these stories emerging, without having a story. Like, oh, today I'm focused on this. And you can see where this even, it's outside of your personal life, because we see where, like, oh, they did this to me. Oh, they didn't do what I wanted them to do, so now I'm mad and I'm going to talk about it to everybody I know. Oh, I just got off the phone with my sister, and now I'm going to go have lunch with my friend, and I'm going to talk to my friend about how my sister said this and did this. You know, it's like that's <laughs> that's so much of what people do. But it's not even just that stuff. And I think in the age of social media, you really see this. Where I've talked before and everybody everybody recognizes this, but like a place like Twitter, which I find I find Twitter very interesting. Like everyone talks shit about Twitter, like oh Twitter sucks. Oh my god, it's such a bad it's so bad for you. Of course it is. But it might as well that, that might as well be the hot topic shirt I'm talking about. 
And and keep in mind, I, I have no defense of Twitter. Like, I'm not a Twitter guy. I made a Twitter account in 2020 that I don't use just so I can see things. Just so that it doesn't, like, ask me to log in is basically it. You know, so, you know, I, I barely use it is how I'd put it. I'm not going to pretend I don't have an account, but it's like I'm not a Twitter user in any sense that people are. I do kind of pay attention to it. And when people say like, oh, God, Twitter's so bad. Oh, my God, Twitter's destroying everything. You know, when people say that, like what that reminds me of is the Hot Topic shirt that's like, I see dumb people. Oh, people are sheep. That's the same thing. And you're reacting like you're you're that's an emotional thought. Like if you look at tw- something like Twitter and you remove your emotions and your personal investment from what you're seeing and you just see it for what it is, it's really fascinating. And then when it doesn't feel fascinating, you don't look at it like that's exactly what I do. I go, I'm going to look at this thing as long as it's what I'm seeing interests me in some way. Not that it's like smart like it could be something that would piss me off but things that piss me off are interesting when i'm not reacting emotionally to them like when i'm when i'm viewing an opinion from somebody that i hate or don't like but i remove that reaction when i remove that emotional investment i'm just like oh wait this is actually really interesting that this person thinks that or that they feel compelled to say that so like i approach something like twitter like that where it's like I'm going to look at this as long as it's interesting, and if it gets boring, I'm not going to look at it. And what I'm really not going to do, though, is get mad. Do I still look at it sometimes when I'm bored? Sure. Or, I mean, rather, do I still look at it like when it's boring sometimes? Yeah, I do. Sometimes I do just kind of late in the night scroll through it when I'm finding it boring. Sometimes I do see things on there that piss me off, but I guess I'm not invested enough in it on the whole that, like, that it's causing me my life to suffer in any you know observable way you know like the people who talk about this thing like destroying their life it's because they're sucked in they're they're participating in it it's become part of their daily story and not just like the interaction they have with people on there like these people who are on there a lot like i hear this a lot on podcasts from celebrities and not even like like everybody's a celebrity now, but like like middle of the road celebrities, like people who aren't ultra famous, but like kind of middle of the road, so that like they kind of have to use social media a lot to kind of keep their brand going. And they're like, oh, it's so bad for you. Oh, I have to take a break. I have to put my phone in the phone drawer. Oh, I have an app that tells me how much screen time I have and it, you know, because I, I can't, I, I'm only going to have an hour of screen time a day. Like all these things people do, which are pretty much like the same thing as like saying like, I'm only going to have one drink when I go to the bar. Like the, it's like alcoholic mindset of like, I'm only going to have one drink and then you're blackout drunk. That's how I kind of see all those little things. But I guess I, I feel fortunate in that like I'm not sucked into social media or, and I've never been sucked into Twitter so that when I do look at it, I'm just like, well, this is kind of just fascinating. And when people like go out of their way to be like, it sucks. Oh my God, it's so bad. It's like you, that might as well be a hot topic t-shirt to me. But, you know, one thing you see with it though, and I pointed this out is there's a story of the day. Like there is kind of, there is a kind of a muse every single day on there. And 
somehow it appears probably in the morning or something. I don't even know how this stuff works. I'm really not, uh, I'm not, I don't, I don't know how the patterns play out there, but like something manages to kind of become the focal point of the day. Like this public figure said this, and sometimes it makes sense. Like sometimes it's a major event that it makes sense. Like, oh, there was a mass shooting and somebody killed 800 children. <laughs> you know, uh, like, like I understand why that's the focus of the day. Like it makes total sense. Like if it was 9-11, and people were using social media or it makes sense why you would be talking about that all day. You know, you can, you, you know, those things when they come up when it's like, Oh yeah, it makes sense why this is something people are responding to, but it's not when there's not something like that, it's usually just something else. And it seems like everybody's kind of responding to it. It's like, there's, there's a tone, there's this muse that kind of, you know, just everybody's, uh, reacting to, and they're emotional about it. And it can change from day to day. And sometimes it can go in waves. You know, like a good example of this is Coronivi, where I was talking recently about, hey, oh, hey, do you notice that nobody gives a shit if you are vacked? Ever since the Ukraine went to war, ever since the Ukraine invaded Russia, there's one for you, ever since the Ukraine invaded Russia, Nobody's had anything to say about Vax, except for like a few maniacs. Like the people who are truly maniacal about that shit have made themselves clear. But the thing is, everybody was maniacal about it up to like mid to late February. And then the Ukraine invaded poor little Russia. And, you know, since then, nobody's cared. They still don't care. Maybe I'm not in the loop, but I, I truly haven't seen anybody really express anything about it for a while. But up to that point, it was a core part of someone's story. Like up until the middle of February, there were a lot of people out there where like a big part of their life revolved around arguing with people who aren't vaxxed or, or the opposite where like arguing with people who are like the unvaxxed were just as consumed with it. Like you could see where the unvacked like really enjoyed their story too. Like it wasn't just the people who are vacked who were like, oh, my story is going to be like fighting the good fight against the evil subhumans who don't want to get vacked and therefore want to kill us. You know, it wasn't just them. It was also like the other side of that was getting a lot of meaning out of the drama too, where it's like, I'm a persecuted minority. I'm unvacked. The big mean man is coming for me finally. They're going to try to put this shot in my arm and my kid's arm. And, you know, after that, they're just going to take me away. You might as well kill me. I will die on fact. You know, there were a lot of people getting a lot of meaning out of that too. And they look just as silly now. Like, even though I respected that, you know, all along, I was, I'm, I was more than happy for people to not get vaxxed. And I supported people who did that. That said, though, it's like, I think the best approach would be just not to get it, right? Like, to make this big scene, to make this drama, it's just another side of that same coin where you're playing the game with those people. You know, you're playing, you're, you're playing the game that the people you hate are playing. And if you play a game with people you hate, well, you know, you're just going to, you're, you're going to play by their rules. And therefore, it's like, now you're just playing the game you hate. But... Uh, 
up to that point, though, like you could see where that was like people's story, like months went by. For the better part of a year, a big story was like the unvacked versus the vacked and all of the little dramas that played out within that. And then overnight, it just went away. People stopped talking about it. It became the Ukraine and Russia. And then it moved on to something else. So like there are these waves of that where like you're getting your meaning from this thing, but it can just end tomorrow. Like if you were to look back in the same way that like when you get mad at somebody and an hour later, you're like, fuck, I can't believe that. That was so silly. I sounded so stupid. I can't believe I reacted that way. In that same way, you know, like if you were to look back at what you were saying about the vaccine 10 months ago, you might go, I can't believe I reacted that way on both sides. You know, if you were like screaming, like, I'm going to die for this. I'm going to die on VACT. I will kill myself and my children before I let you stick a needle. You know, if that was your approach then, you might look back on that now and be like, you know, I'm glad I didn't get vacked, but I can't believe I was talking that way. I can't believe I was acting that way. Same thing on the other side, where it's just like, oh, I can't believe that I was like screaming, like we need to forcibly stick this needle in everybody's children's arms. We need to take people's children away from them if they're not going to get the vac. We need to stick the needle in the kid's head. And give that kid the, the vaccine into their brain because we got to make sure they get it. You know, like if that was your attitude too, you're going to look back and be like, holy shit. Like, I can't believe that I was so severe about it because I don't really give a shit now. It's the end of August, 2022. Oh yeah. I don't really give a shit anymore whether someone's vaxxed or not. It's the same thing as like getting mad and looking back on it later and being like, wow. Yeah, I was getting meaning out of that in that moment. But I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't really aware of what I was doing, which is why I was so caught up in it. But the thing is, it's like the reason we do that is because it's like you are participating in life. Like if you're not reacting to the story of the day, like what the fuck are you doing? And I've always been someone who resists that, you know, often to my detriment. Like I've always been somebody who, you know, isn't even isn't even opposing something for any real principled, like good reason. I've just been someone who's like, Oh, that's the topic of the day. Well, like, I'm not going to talk about it. A good example of that is like as a kid as, at restaurants, when like somebody would drop a plate in the kitchen, everybody's heads in the restaurant would turn like, Oh, what's that? And it's like, you know what happened? Like the, the waiter or the chef or somebody dropped a plate. We're in a restaurant. Like there's people like literally probably juggling plates back there. There's people walking around like a busy room with like this circle on their hand. that's like covered in stacks of plates. Like something fell, man. And as a kid, like I picked up on that. And it, it goes back to the like, you can understand like why people do say like, oh, people are stupid, people are sheep. Like, you know what the evidence is for that. You just have to resist doing it. But as a kid, like I, I felt that way in restaurants when that would happen. Like you'd be sitting there in a restaurant and then it's like you hear a plate crash and everybody's heads would turn like, oh, what was that? Oh my God, what was that? What was that? And it's like, we all know what that was. And like, and two, like as a human being, like this was another, like I was very aware of this as a little kid somehow. It wasn't just that I don't want to like turn my head and react 
because I know what it is. I know that a plate fell, but it's also like, I don't want to stare at the waiter who dropped it. Like, I don't, I don't want to humiliate them. Like, I know that if I do something embarrassing, like, I don't want everybody to turn their head and look at me and go like, what'd you do? What'd you do? You know, that's the last thing I want. So if somebody drops something in the kitchen or like the waiter's taking plates back and they drop something like one, I don't want to just react because I know what it is. But I also like, I don't want to just stare at this person who obviously doesn't need a bunch of eyes on them in that moment. Um, and it's kind of like the topic of the day in a way. Like it's kind of what, it's what makes you, you know, doing what other people are doing is like what engages you in life. Like in that moment, like you're experiencing what those other people are experiencing. Like we're all looking to see what that loud noise was. And like, as a kid, I was just always resistant to that. Like, not that it makes me better, because I don't think it does at all. I don't think it makes me better. I just know that I myself was, like, fighting that urge to do that thing. Like, I didn't want to go to the event that people were going to. I didn't go to my prom. I didn't go to my graduation. The only graduation I've ever been to is, like, my sixth grade elementary school graduation. You know, and it wasn't for any, like, profound purpose. It wasn't to make a statement I just didn't really feel the need to like go through that ceremony. I didn't feel the need to like have that shared experience. I actually think it's extremely important that people do that. Like, I think it's important that people go through these ceremonies. I just, I myself knew that it wasn't for me to do that. Um, enough about me though. You know, I just know though that like, it's like that shared story is something I've always kind of been resistant to. Like if everybody's talking about X, it's not that I'm going to talk about Z. I'm just probably not going to want to talk about X. Like I don't, I don't feel the need to like openly rebel. I'm just like, I don't want to do that thing. I want to be a non-participant. I don't want to participate. Um, and because like that thing you're participating in so often is like the gossip so often it's like the the melodrama of the moment. It's debating the vac. Rather than, because that's the thing, is like, I didn't get in a single argument with a single person I know about the vac because I just chose not to even talk about it. I was just like, I had my opinions that I, I've given on here. I have friends who agreed with me. But if there was even a chance that this could turn into an argument, that this could like provoke melodrama, not going to do it. They don't need to know if I'm vaxxed, which I was, that I got the initial one. But it's like they don't need to know that I have it or don't have it. It's none of their business. I don't need to know that they have it or don't have it. It's none of my business. To have a conversation about it is to talk about the obvious thing. It's like, it's almost like a, just like a, a, a really shitty muse. That's kind of what that is. Like it's fine if the muse is something cool and interesting or, or powerful in some way for good or for better or worse. But when the muse is something that shitty, like having an argument or conversation about the vac, it's just like, why, you know, why bother? Why participate in that? Why turn my head at the loud noise? And, uh, the thing is, though, you have to do some of that. Like, you're not really living life if you're not doing that. 
Like if you never talk about the the topic of the day, like if you never respond to the same muse that other people are responding to, things go kind of haywire. People don't like you. People don't like you. That's a big part of it. Oh, I always notice that you don't do this. Like you become a part of their story. You know, you become... Uh, they find a way to like incorporate, like one way or another, people are going to pull you into their story. Like if you participate in the thing that everybody's participating in, it's like, oh, he either, oh, he agrees with me. So I like him. And that's cool. Cause we're fighting the good fight against these people. We hate, uh, who are trying to ruin the world. You know, it's either that, or it's like, oh, well he's a, he disagrees with me. And that makes him the person I hate. And me and my friends are fighting the good fight against him. Like, you know, it's like one way or another, you're going to play into someone's story that way. But by even being a non-participant, you kind of get sucked into people's stories where it's like, oh, he never does this. Oh, he never does that. Like I still, I, I talked about this on here before. Cause I never forgot it. But like there was a McDonald's used to deliver for a very brief time, at least where I lived in the Seattle area. There was this very brief period where McDonald's had these little white trucks, like little. They were they were just like these little, almost like lowriders. It was the weirdest thing. They they delivered in little trucks, like they had a a bed in the back, like like little flatbed trucks or whatever you call them. And they had a, the McDonald's golden arches on the side and they would come to your house with McDonald's. It was, it was just so weird. Like it's amazing. It actually didn't take off. Like it's kind of weird that that didn't, that delivering fast food didn't become a big thing. Like you, you think with like, uh, you know, now you can get takeout delivered to your house. You know, we've always done it with pizza. It's, it's kind of weird that like getting a burger and fries, just like a bag of that stuff delivered to you just never happened. Uh, but, uh, like we, I was at my friend's house, my next door neighbor's house and you know, they were like family to us. Like I, I grew up coming in and out of their house. Like our houses were next door and we were just in and out of each other, other's houses practically every day. And, and, you know, the mom of that family was the sweet, one of the sweetest women I've ever met. You know, just a very, I, I mean this in the best way, but a very simple lady though, but just very, very sweet. And there was a time though where like we ordered McDonald's and like, obviously like we were close enough to, with this family that like she had seen me, I guess, eat McDonald's or Burger King many different times. Like we'd probably been to fast food restaurants together many, many different times. So she had some data to work with. She had, she had some data. And, you know, we were eating our food. We had gotten McDonald's delivered. The little white truck pulled up and they dropped our McDonald's off. There were a bunch of kids and there was another mom there. Like there was another kid's mom and like moms do, like the kids are eating their food, being rascals and the moms are just gossiping and shooting the shit. And I would always listen to what they were saying though. Like I was always really, I was more interested in like the idle chatter of like moms off to the side when they didn't know I was listening. Like the kids are just scarfing down food and I, I wasn't really like paying attention to what the moms were saying. I was eating, but I was kind of like, I, I was curious what they were saying. And then I, I just hear the one, the really, she's a really sweet woman, but she was gossiping about me. And I just hear Eric never eats his fries. And the way she said it was like, it was really hot gossip. <laughs> 
like she she said it like it was really hot gossip like that was almost like saying did you know that she's also cheating on her husband with her guitar teacher you know she said it like it was hot gossip like right off the press like as if it was like oh you know eric uh you know he uh I don't even know. I don't even know what you would say about me, but like the way she said, like Eric, oh, he never eats fries. It had that kind of tone to it, and there was something like critical in it. <laughs> you know, it was like she was kind of criticizing me, and like I said, she was a really sweet woman, and I knew even then, though, like not to be mad at her because it was like in that conversation, it was like currency. Like they were, they were obviously. I was probably like six years old or something, but I, I could tell that like they were talking about like our eating habits. Like the two moms were sitting there. They probably barely know each other. This is like your kid's friend or something, or you know, and his mom came over. So it's like they probably barely know each other. So like you're just talking about the kids. They're eating McDonald's and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, like, uh, oh, they love McDonald's. Oh, he doesn't he doesn't like pickles on his burgers, blah, 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 blah. But like when it came to me. It was like hot enough gossip to be like, Eric never eats his fries. And she said it like it was a bad thing. Like maybe it's wasteful or something. But like looking back, it's like, isn't that a good thing? That like I wasn't eating like the fries, like they're bad for you and stuff. Like I'm getting a hamburger. And I don't even know that it was true. That's the funny thing. Like I feel like I ate so many fries in my life. Like I have to just make that little like uh, <laughs> that little note because – I don't ever remember in my life being like, I didn't always eat them. Like, I, I would say that I wasn't the kid who like went for the fries first. Like the fries weren't the best part to me, but I loved them. Like, I, I don't think I ever uh, didn't like French fries. So what was weird is that like one, she thought that I never ate my fries. It was like, maybe there was one time, like things like that. I mean, the shit like that happens. People form stories about you. Like a mom will, will see you not eat your fries once and now it's like you never eat your fries. Oh, he didn't eat his fries this one time. So like now I'm going to tell this other mom he never eats his fries. Never eats his fries. But I remember hearing that and I was like, wow, she's gossiping about me. Like she's saying that like that's a bad thing. And it, it was a story though. It was like, like, I mean, as if too, like the way it was said too was it almost like that's bad for all of us you know i'm not I'm, i don't think i'm making <laughs> i'm making a lot out of this but like i don't think i'm making more out of it than was actually there like the way she said that like to this other mom was almost like the fact that eric never eats his fries as she said i don't think that's true but like eric never eats his fries she said it like that was bad for everybody like, we were all worse off for that. It was, you know, drama. So it's like not doing – what got me going on that is just the idea, though, of like sometimes being a non-participant like makes you a bigger part of the story. You know, like sometimes like not doing something, like somebody notices that. Allegedly, like she she had some sort of experience with me where I didn't eat my fries. So like – You'd think that who cares, right? It's like the takeout thing. Like where we're living in like a good enough time. Both of our families were doing fine financially. We're living in 
really the best of times, like the 90s. I can't imagine a better time to be a family than the 90s. It was Things were good. Where I grew up, things were good. You know, neither of our families were rich. We were just, things were good. Like, we were all doing fine. We were just doing fine. We were doing fine. And, however, though, like, she said, like, me, like, we weren't, like, the fact that, it, let's say I don't eat my fries, well, <laughs> let's, allegedly, I don't eat my fries, well, it's like, is it that wasteful? Is it that wasteful? But she said it like it was, it was a problem or something, and she was a nice lady, so it made it that much weirder to me. But it was because, like, my non, my not doing something was a story. But if I had done something else, like, if I had been a maniac, like, imagine if I ate everybody else's fries. Imagine if, like, at that table, like, I was just grabbing, like, I, I scarfed my fries down, and now I'm just eating everybody else's fries. I want to eat, I'll take this, oh, you're going to eat that, you're going to eat that, you know. Like, if I was eating all the other kids' fries, that'd be a big fucking problem too, right? Eric never eats his fries, it somehow makes him weird, or it's wasteful or something. But what if I'm eating everybody else's fries? What if I'm eating too many fries? Oh yeah, we don't, we don't eat, we don't, she would be saying like, we don't eat McDonald's with Eric because he eats everybody's fries, you know. It's a problem either way. It's like, you know, the middle path or something is all you got. <laughs> the, the middle path of McDonald's fries. He eats just enough fries to not be noticed. Isn't that... <laughs> Isn't that actually the, the path though? Is, isn't, isn't that actually the right road to be like, he eats just enough fries that nobody notices that he's eating too many or too little. Like Goldilocks, like he, it's just right. Because otherwise though, it's like, you'll, you'll get noticed. Like the whole thing is getting noticed. And if you get noticed, well, you're screwed. Because then you're, you end up in somebody's story. And I think about that sometimes. I like not doing something like can someone will hold a grudge against you. I have, I have a friend who I'm under the impression is really mad at me. Or holding maybe not like hot blooded anger, but they're, they're holding a grudge against me. I know because I couldn't visit them when they were in, in the state. Like they, they were going to be like an hour and a half away and. I just could not go. I couldn't visit. And I haven't heard from them since. And like, I know this person, I've known this person a long time and they tend to hold grudges when you don't do what they want. The truth is, I, it was the middle of the week. I had a million things going on. Batty was sick. This is like May, the middle of May. Batty had gotten really sick for about a week randomly. I just, in the middle of the week, I couldn't just drive an hour and a half away for the night. That was right. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's like, that was right around the time that gas prices were skyrocketing. So it's like, I can't spend a hundred dollars on a tank of gas or more or whatever the fuck it was. And like, while my dog's sick, while it's the middle of the week and a lot of other people I know are, are having issues too. It was just wasn't one of those things, but like in that, the way that person felt, and I've, I've known this person long enough to know how they think is it's like, Oh, like you did that to me. It wasn't just that you were overwhelmed and a lot of things were happening at once and you couldn't visit. It's that like you couldn't visit, you know, you not visiting was something you were doing to me. Like even though it was a, something I wasn't doing, 
in their mind, it's like, this is something you are doing and you're doing it to me. It becomes part of that person's story. And that's how you form grudges. Like the way I think of a grudge is it's like when, when somebody like develops a story in response to you and then it kind of cools down, but they're still pissed about it. It kind of, it hardens into a grudge. Like, oh, this person's not doing that thing I wanted them to do, or they did this thing. And then that kind of cools down. But if it's not resolved to them, it kind of it hardens into this grudge. And now it's like, well, I'm going to be just quietly mad at them for a while. It's like that time that a girl accused me of ghosting her. Like, she didn't even say it to me personally, but I've been going out. I've been just, like, kind of hanging out with this girl. Like, we never... It wasn't even very romantic. Like there was a little bit of romance to it, but it was it was just this is this is years ago. But like I don't know, she was awesome. Like I, I really have nothing bad to say. My life, I just couldn't. Um, my life just had a lot going on. Like there, there was a lot going on, and there was never any kind of commitment. Like you know, it wasn't like it wasn't even like sexual. It was, it was just kind of a little bit romantic. Like we were just kind of going on like fun little dates for a while. And I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. But uh, I just, there was like a period where we didn't hang out for a couple weeks or a few weeks or something. And uh, I like, I popped onto social media or, and like she had posted something. She was like, oh my God, I've been ghosted. I can't believe I have to like go back onto, t- I just downloaded Tinderl again. I just downloaded Tendril again because in Bumble because I got ghosted. And I was, and then like it, it hit me. And I was like, oh, she's talking about me. And I've never been a guy, like, I've never been a guy who, like, ignores women, like, or anything like that. Like, if I'm, like, seeing a girl or something, like, I'm not, I might not want to text back and forth all the time, but it's like, I won't, like, stop talking to you or I won't, like, ignore you. But, like, in this just particular case, like, a lot of weird shit was kind of happening with me. And we were pretty much just friends is kind of how I saw it. And, like, when I realized she was talking about me, I was like, oh, wow, like, like that's in her head. And and not and I don't mean that in a mean way, like, she's crazy because she's not. It was that, like, in her life, like, she had a certain expectation of me. And that's fair. Like, I, I you know, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And, like, maybe thought that it was, like, I don't know. I don't know what she thought, but, like. Either way, it was like she had some sort of expectation or something of the situation. And when that expectation didn't happen, like it became something I had done to her. And it kind of blew my mind because like, honestly, I could tell you exactly what happened. This is like right when I'm going through this, like I just kind of come out of this like spiritual crisis. I was relatively, I was like, I think a year, maybe like a year and a half sober from booze. I was getting into like meditating. I was, I was doing like really intense reading and practice. It was during that period when like things were just very, very intensive for me. And, uh, and then I think I started smoking weed again, kind of out of nowhere, which for me, like with women has always been bad. Like if I'm already seeing somebody, it's bad too. But like, if I'm just getting to know a girl and I start smoking weed, it's just like, no, nah. I can't go to a date. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't, I, you know, it's always been a, a bad thing. Like, like if I'm already seeing somebody, it's okay. A little bit. 
but I will like not want to be, I, it will disengage me even in that. But like with, with, it's like if I, if I'm just newly meeting somebody or something, if there's no commitment and I like get really into weed and like, so I started like smoking weed again for a little bit and then it just kind of led to like a couple weeks passing without hanging out or really having much talk. And then I get on, I, I check like social media and she's like, oh my God, I've been ghosted. Oh geez. He, he like, and, and what she said, it wasn't even like attacking me. It was just like, you could tell she was upset and it made me really fucking sad that I made her feel that way. I don't look down on it at all. Like I, I have nothing but great things. I, I think nothing but great things about her, but it was just, it was weird to me because I realized that she was experiencing something totally different than I was. You know, like I, like she was experiencing something totally different from me and not just different, but like I wasn't experiencing anything. Like she was like in her mind, I had deliberately ghosted her. Like I had lost interest or something, or like I was like trying to blow her off. And I was like, I'm just not going to message her. I'm just not going to hang out with her. Oh, you know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm going to ghost her. I think I'm going to ghost her. You know, in her mind, like I made a conscious decision when the reality was I was just stoned and meditating and like reading about, <laughs> you know, something, you know, studying things, you know, it was just, I was in a totally different world. And it's not an excuse or anything. Like maybe I should have said something to her, but it was just weird. Cause it was like, I could tell that like, she thought I ghosted her. It's like my friend who's mad at me. And it's not the first time he's gotten mad at me for similar reasons, but like he was visiting and because I just couldn't do it. I just, I could not visit because of that. It becomes like, you did this to me. You ghosted me. You snubbed me. And what it is, you hurt my feelings, which is your feelings. Feelings are important. <laughs> and uh, that's what it is, though. It's like you hurt my feelings. But things come full circle. It's like that, that girl that I'm talking about. A couple months later, I got on like social meteor and I saw that she she was like she had a boyfriend and I was crushed. I was crushed. Eric, he never eats his fries. He was crushed. Now, I, I was crushed for, for a couple days. You know, I, I was like, fuck. I liked her. I did. I, I really liked her. I just, I knew that I couldn't be in a, in a relationship with her at that time. I really did like her. Though. I still do. I, I still have, you know, a very fond opinion of her. But it was just, it was this weird little moment where I was like, oh shit, like, I did blow her off. Like, and for my own reasons. And I'm glad I did because I had other things to do. I truly had other things to do. But it was just, it was this little moment where I was like, I saw that she had a boyfriend a couple of months later, which was her right. Like, I wasn't mad. I wasn't like, how dare you? Oh, you slut. Oh, you fucking slut. You got a, you, you're in a committed relationship with a boyfriend. You know, it's like, I didn't think anything like that. It was just like, on one hand, good for her because I, I did kind of blow her off. But I had to deal with the fact that all of a sudden, like I went from not caring I went from probably not even thinking that much about her to like one day I look at this device, this weird little window into other people's lives, and I see that that girl that I blew off has found somebody else. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. And I had to deal with that. But it was good that I had to deal with that, too. It was good that I had I got because I I got shown uh, that was my story. 
and she didn't even know that was going on, you know? I, it was the it, like the other shoe dropped. Like, when she was, like, upset that she got ghosted, and, like, in her mind, it was as, as if I did this deliberately, maybe. And I, I realized, like, oh, shit, like, she's experiencing something that I'm not, I don't even feel like I'm a part of. And she feels like I, I did it or caused it. I got to experience the other side of that when I saw she had a boyfriend because I was like, fuck. She probably thinks that I'm in my own world, moved on, whatever. Like, she's not thinking about me. She's got a boyfriend. But here I am by myself, like, thinking like, oh, no. So now I'm getting to experience something that she's not. Maybe. But it's an interesting thing. that Like, that's our story. Like, that's what makes somebody a story. And... It's almost like when, when you have a friend who is really mad at like something somebody did, like somebody said something to them at work, their boss said something at work that pissed them off. So they call you and they're like, oh, you can't, I, I, can you believe what my boss said? And like you hear it and you're just like, it doesn't sound like that big of a deal. And I didn't experience it, so I don't really feel anything. You don't say that to your friend. You, what you say to your friend is, oh yeah, that sounds bad or whatever. But like in your mind, you're just kind of like, oh yeah, like I'm not experiencing that. This is their story. And they read into it. And uh, something recently happened that's a good example of this, where I'm not just going to talk about me, which like, you know, through mafia research, I've gotten to know a couple of guys who were involved in that. They've only known a couple of them, just been in communication with them. And uh, some of these guys, like they, they cooperated and they're no longer in the mafia, but you can really see where they still have a little bit of that mentality. Because when you're, when you're in and around the mafia, you analyze every little thing that everybody does. And you kind of assume that every little thing is done intentionally to communicate something or to like mess with you. And you, so you read into every little thing. And you know, in the mafia, for example, it's a rule that if you go into a club or a, a restaurant or a party and you know there's there's a bunch of guys there you go up and you greet the highest ranking guys first like if you go somewhere and the boss is there you go up to him and you say like oh hey you know how, how's it going you don't have to talk to him and like michael uh, de leonardo the guy that i've talked to a lot like he he said for example before he was even a made member so he, he was just a kid basically and he wasn't even an initiated member of the family yet. Paul Castellano, who was the old boss that John Gotti killed to take over, you know, he went to some event or something like a wedding or, you know, he went into a room and Paul Castellano was there and he was sitting with some guys like having a conversation and they were, they were deep in conversation. And so Michael just went over and he started talking to some other people. And a little bit later, like Paul Castellano came up to him and was like, what the fuck do you think you're doing? What the fuck do you think you're doing? You know, and he was, he was like, what, what? And he's like, you know, you came into the room and like, you didn't come up to me and say hi. And, you know, what, what do you think, you know, what's that all about? And he was like, he, and then Michael told him like, Hey, you know, I saw you were, you were like deep in a conversation and I didn't want to bug you, which is kind of an intuitive thing. Like the mob boss is in a conversation, it seems like it would be worse to go over and bug him and be like, I'm going to interrupt your conversation. I'm going to like, you know, maybe he doesn't want to want people to hear what he's saying. Like, 
maybe this is important, you know, whatever it is. But no, like it was more important to Castellano that Michael go up and like greet him in front of everybody and show deference. Even though it meant interrupting his conversation, which is interesting. So you can see like it's and it's not even insecurity. It's just it's kind of a system. And maybe I think part of it's probably insecurity. And other guys who are, who are in the mafia have talked about that same exact thing. Like, there's a guy, I've never talked to him, but his name's John Panisi, and he does a YouTube show. He was saying the same thing happened at a wedding he was at where, like, there was a guy, there were, like, a couple guys who had the rank of captain. So if you go into a room and, like, the highest-ranking guy is a captain, you go up to him and say hi first. If you go into a room and, like, the highest-ranking guy is just a soldier, you know, what would be called a made guy, You'd go up and say hi to him first and you know that's just how it works but he was at this wedding and like this guy he was with didn't go up and say hi to a captain and the captain came over to john panisi and was like who does that cocksucker think he is like he you know do you see that he, he came in here and he didn't even say hi to me like that's that guy's story in that moment in that moment like hey i'm, a, I'm an important guy and that guy didn't show me respect well, like Panisi was saying, there, there was another captain there, and he, he forgot himself to go up and say hi to this guy. And he saw that that guy was leaving, and he was like, fuck, I don't want that guy to leave. Well, no, I guess because it's the same thing with, like, goodbye. Like, it's like hellos and goodbyes. Like, he saw that this guy, this captain was leaving, and he realized, like, he hadn't said goodbye to him. And he was like, fuck, like, it, it'll show disrespect if I don't say bye to him. And so he, like, chased the guy outside, and he was like, oh, hey, hey. He's like, I just wanted to say goodbye. And the guy laughed and he was like, you, you didn't have to chase me down. Like, you know, he, you know, it was, a, it was a guy he got along with. The guy was like, oh, don't even worry about it, man. You know, it was just, it wasn't even, it wasn't a big deal to the other guy. Whereas the other guy was like, it became this story where it was like, can you believe that he came into this room and he didn't come and talk to me? Meanwhile, this other guy who has the same rank and he's part of the same life, he was just like, oh, I can't believe you chased me down, man. Like, don't worry about it. You know? But it just shows you that like different people react in different ways and different people's stories form in different ways. Um, and, you know, some in these stories, it's like the, the person you're talking to might be experiencing like something completely different from you that you don't even know they're experiencing. And sometimes it's bizarre to think about it. Like if somebody's ever been mad at you and you're able to detach yourself from the fact that it's happening to you. Because that's kind of what starts this. Like, this is the domino effect of it all. Someone, like, looks you in the face and says, like, you did this. You didn't do this. You know, that thing that you said or did really upset me. Blah, you pissed me off. You know, and your reaction is like, oh, now I'm mad at them. They're mad at me, so now I'm mad at them. Now I'm going to play the game they're playing or pass it along. But if you can detach yourself in that moment where if somebody's been upset at you and you just look at them, it's one of the most surreal experiences you could ever have. Because you're looking at this person look at you, and I've never been like screamed at like that or anything, but it's like I've just had somebody be bothered or upset with me before, and I've looked at them and I've been like, I don't feel like this is happening to me right now. And because I don't feel like this is happening to me, because I don't feel like this person is addressing me, even though they that's what they're doing, but I'm not I'm not experiencing this with them. 
it's weird. It's weird to look at this person and to, you know, realize we are not, they, they think that they're, they think that they're, this is a two-way street right now, but they might as well be talking into an abyss or a wall. And, uh, the problem is, though, is just that it's like you have to do some of that. And that's kind of what I deal with a lot. Like, I have my own little dramas and stuff. Oh, I, I, should, I should finish the story. I, I, was, I said I, w- I wasn't going to talk about me for a minute. With these mafia guys, like, you know, that's a rule in the mafia that, like, there's a protocol to that kind of thing. And there's all sorts of perceived slights. Like, even slights that aren't intended. And something came up with a couple of these mafia guys that I've been in touch with. And I... The, I didn't get this firsthand because, like, I have a friend who lives near one of them. He's a, a mafia historian, and he lives near one of them, and he, he has dinner with him on occasion and has gotten to know him pretty well. And there's another guy, though, who lives down there because they live in an area where the witness protection program sends people, and these guys aren't that worried about the mob retaliating. Like, once, like the, the way the mafia thinks about it now is that, like, the damage has been done and if we try to kill this guy or hurt this guy, like as long as he doesn't flaunt it. But for the most part, these guys live fairly openly, you know, in their new lives. And so a lot of them are near each other and that kind of thing. A lot of them live in the same part of the country and they, they form friendships through this and stuff. But uh, my friend, though, like he was facilitating like one of the guys and another guy to like work on something together. You know, like to, to do a project, like former mafia guys, like you guys should like kind of like, you know, put your ideas together. Well, like one of them felt snubbed by the other one over something really bizarre and minor. Like he had somebody else contact him instead of contacting him directly. And my friend last night or tonight, actually, he was getting all of these drunk messages like the guy was drunk at a Kevin Hart comedy show of all things. Like <laughs> you can't even make that up. Like this former mafia guy, not Michael, the guy that I know a little better. This is another guy who I like. I've talked to this other guy. I like him. He has an interesting story, but still he, he got drunk at a Kevin Hart comedy show and he was sending my friend drunken messages about this other mob guy being like, who does he think he is? He's, he's being a fucking bitch. I saw screen caps of the messages and he's like, who is he? Oh, he, blah, blah, blah. He, and it was all over the fact that like the one mob guy had had somebody else contact this guy on his behalf about a project or something. But like he saw that as like this deliberate snub. And you know what? Maybe it was like, I'm not from that life. Maybe that guy has legitimate reason. Maybe the guy who like decided not to contact him directly was kind of doing that to say like, hey, I'm more important than you are. Deal with. So I'm going to like have a middleman talk to you because that's something guys do on the street. But these guys aren't on the street. But like, you know, this is what they grew up in. So maybe there was meaning behind it. Like maybe the guy who sent the other guy to talk to him about you know, a project, like maybe it was something where he was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to put this guy in his place by not talking to him directly about it. Point being though, the guy who on the other end, like felt completely snubbed, got drunk at a Kevin Hart show and just flew off the handle about it. 
like extremely mad. And it was a good reminder because like most of my conversations with these guys who I like, like I really enjoy talking to them, but most of my conversations, they've been very focused on like people, places and events. And it was a reminder though that like, oh yeah, if these guys get mad or they feel snubbed or their egos are hurt, they can get very, very angry. And I've been, I've read about so much of that on the street where like the guys who are actually on the street doing mafia stuff that goes on with them. Like these guys getting upset about somebody not saying hi to them first when they go in a room. Well, this is another version of that where like these guys aren't involved in the mafia anymore, but they still think that way. And so this guy felt snubbed, whether it was intended to do that or not, he felt snubbed and he, he was really hurt by it. His feelings were hurt. And my friend told me about another story, like where he was going to have dinner with this mafia guy and another guy couldn't be there. Like he, there was this other guy who's a, who's also in the program and he was going to have dinner with them and he's a friend of the other guy, but he couldn't be there. Well, the guy, when he found this out, he was so upset. Like he was, he was like yelling, you know, he was saying to his wife, I'm deleting his number from my phone. I'm not going to see him again. Fuck him. He doesn't want to come to dinner tonight. And this is all just because like these guys are friends and it was just a social get together. Like these guys, you know, it was just like they were going to have dinner together and the guy couldn't make it. And so he then he goes from looking forward to having dinner with his friend to I'm going to delete his number from my phone. I'm not going to spend time with him because his ego was hurt. I think what he felt was like, oh, he's too good to have dinner with me. He's too good to like, you know, main, you know, to follow up on his commitments and like, uh, that kind of thing. And, uh, he came to find out the guy had a really good reason, like a good personal reason he couldn't make it to the dinner. And he went back to, Oh, that's fine. I'm going to keep his number in my phone and we'll hang out again soon. So it was just interesting though. And it, like, you could see where the egos were hurt, like pride, like, Oh, we were supposed to have dinner tonight and he's a no-show. He can't make it. Fuck him. I, I don't want to talk to him ever again. You know, oh, he sent like a, a go-between to talk to me rather than talking to me himself. Fuck him. You know, just to read into things that way. And, you know, sometimes people do do things like that. But what even, what even difference does it make to you what their intention is? And I was saying to a friend of mine that was telling me about it. I was like, you know, if, if I was in that situation, like, let's say that I, I had been in communication with this guy about a project and then he sent like this go between kind of out of nowhere. I would just think, oh, I guess he doesn't really, I guess he doesn't really respect me. Or I guess, you know, even if that was my interpretation, I might think nothing of it. But let's say that I did feel like hurt by it. I was like, oh, he, I guess he doesn't really respect me. That was disrespectful. I would just say, okay, it's time to not participate. I'm not going to get in touch with him again. He sent me a message. He sent a signal that he doesn't think very highly of me, whatever it is. I guess now I know I'm not going to try to contact him again. And, and maybe like moving forward, he's going to try to contact me. Maybe there was a good reason why he had to send somebody else. Like maybe there's a reason why he had his friend email you or the, like the other guy in the project email you. Like maybe there's a reason for it. Like maybe he had a reason. Maybe he just couldn't do it. But when you get mad, like it doesn't matter. Like you, you'll never find that out. 
when that becomes your story, oh, he disrespected me on purpose. What an asshole. I'm going to delete his number from my phone. You don't even give the guy a chance to redeem himself. And it's, it's because it's ego. It's your ego that's reacting to that, obviously. And it's funny because, like, I, I was just told that story earlier tonight. And it made me think of my friend who, who is mad at me, you know, over the last few months because I couldn't go visit him. And it's a very similar situation. Like, we're not gangsters. We're not, like, mafia guys, of course. But it's like, that's human nature. And it just shows you that it manifests no matter who you are. Like, if you're a street guy, that's how you're going to interpret it and react. But it's like, my friend and I, it's like, in his mind, it's like, oh, Eric snubbed me. By not being around to visit me, he snubbed me. And that shows that he has no respect for me. So fuck him. So fuck him. It becomes this like invention in your mind. And we, we live lives that way. I mean, it's why I say that we're a bunch of conspiracy theorists about our own personal lives. We think everybody's doing things by design. We're such conspiracy theorists. But we do it about ourselves. Fuck the government. Fuck the world. Like, we're conspiracy theories, theorists about ourselves. Like, that person is doing that because of X, Y, and Z, because they want to get this reaction or they want to disrespect me. And because that does happen sometimes, we use that as an excuse to think that way all the time. And sometimes it's a coping mechanism, obviously. I mean, it, it, it kind of all is. I hate to say that, but everything I'm saying is kind of a coping mechanism. Like, being like, oh, he couldn't make it to dinner? Well, fuck him. Fuck him. That's kind of a coping mechanism with, like, the fact that the reality is these two guys who have been involved in, like, violence and crime their entire lives and now are in the witness protection and left the life, it doesn't matter how tough they are. Like, what that is, he hurt my feelings. I hate to get like start talking like a therapist about this shit, but the truth is, like, he couldn't make it to dinner. That hurt my feelings. Fuck him. That's what that is. It's your ego. You know, it's it's your coping with it. And you see this, though, like, when things don't go your way. Like, when things don't go your way, like, one of the things you do is you try to cope with it. You know, like, it's... I've told this on here before, but, like, somebody I know very well... A woman tried to get a promotion at work, didn't get it. They really had their hopes up. Like they were like the second, they were, they, they narrowed it down to like two candidates. This person really, really like got their hopes up that they were going to get it. They didn't. Well, they came up with this whole conspiracy theory about how they didn't get it because they're a woman. And I heard like, I, I've heard the, I've had the evidence presented to me. And I, and I just, I, I'm not an asshole, so I don't challenge it because, you know, because the, the second you challenge somebody's story, you become part of it. And so if I were to challenge this person's story, now I'm a part of that story. And I, I, trust me, I don't need that. But this person, like I've heard them present the evidence that like they were discriminated against for being a woman. And I'm like, huh, this is a very liberal industry with very liberal employees and bosses and there are a bunch of women there in leadership positions 
but they didn't hire you because you're a woman, or they didn't, they didn't promote you because you're a woman. Huh. I don't buy it. You know, I, 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 I just don't buy it. But because I don't want to get sucked into their story, I don't, who am I to try to change their story? You know, it's not my place. The biggest way to like get into the worst, the biggest, <laughs> what makes a story worse is by trying to change that story. If you ever want to get into a problem with somebody, it's when you try to change their story for them. But the truth was, like, I heard this story and I was just like, yeah, I don't think that's what happened in my mind. But I could tell it was they were so disappointed, their feelings were hurt, and the best way to cope with that was to say, oh, they did it because I'm a woman. Um, it sucks because that's actually worse for you long run. Like what sucks about these coping mechanisms is they're actually worse for you in the long run. The long run. Like that's actually worse for that person to think they did this because I'm a woman. Because you, you repeat that lie enough times and then you start to believe it. And there are times where maybe somebody does discriminate against somebody. I believe that. I believe that happens. Where sometimes somebody does discriminate against somebody for some reason. But when you use that as a coping mechanism, well, like when it actually does happen, it's there's a very famous story about that called the bee who cried wolf. The bee who cried wolf. Um, but uh, you know, there's a very famous story about that for a reason because you want to save it for when it actually counts. And I think that's a good way to approach this stuff. Save your story for when it actually counts. Don't flip out about like the fact that the people at the party got a pizza with a topping on it that you hate and now you're not going to enjoy the pizza or like the fact that you have to pick the topping off the pizza makes you enjoy it less and this party sucks now. Uh, you know, it's, it's like it's why like that's not a good story. It's okay to not like the topping, but it's like to make that part of your story is bad for you. It's really fucking bad. Because you start to feel victimized by it. And, you know, that might sound silly. Pay attention to what people do sometimes. Like, pay attention to how personally people take things like that. I mean, I was at a job that would regularly buy you lunch. And I kind of hated it. Even though it was really nice of them to do, I kind of hated it because it, it, it was the worst thing for office politics. Everybody had an opinion. And you think about it, they're doing this really nice thing. They're, they're like ordering takeout. They're getting this. They're doing that. They're buying you food. And you're on top of paying you, they're giving you food for free. But I kind of dreaded it because it became like office politics where like so-and-so doesn't eat this or so-and-so likes this or so-and-so's vegan. And not even, it wasn't even just like the vegan thing. It, it was just everything. It was just like taste and preference. And I remember there was a day where somebody voted to get Indian food, I think it was. And like a faction developed of like two people who didn't want, you know, it was something like that. Yeah, it was like Indian food or like something to that effect. And I remember like they were hoping for something else. They had voted for something else. And when this when it was chosen to get Indian food, you could see that they were fucking mad. 
And it wasn't even because they were, it wasn't because it was like something they couldn't or weren't capable of eating. It was just that they didn't want Indian food that day. To make it even crazier, I think both of these people liked Indian food. They just didn't want it that day. <laughs> and they ended up leaving. Like everybody else ate Indian food and these two people left. Like they went and got their own lunch somewhere else. And it was funny though, because it was like they were their own little like political faction. They banded together against Indian food that day. But to them, it was important. Like that day, like, but the thing, what I want to say about it is like the way they reacted, these two coworkers was, you could tell they took it personally. Like in their mind, the fact that everybody else chose Indian food and not whatever they wanted, it felt personal to them because they wanted it. And they kind of made a stink about it, as people say. I hate that term, a stink, but that's kind of what they did. You could, they kind of, they soured and kind of let off a bad odor. They made it very clear to everybody else that they weren't happy. That was the weird thing. They made it very, and they had a lot of power in the office too. But they made it very clear to everybody else they weren't happy with the collective decision to get Indian food. They didn't just like go along. They didn't say, oh, you know, that's fine. I won't eat it. Because that's been me a million times. Like if, if, you know, especially like when I got really into eating healthy, sometimes the office would order food that was from a place like fried chicken or like, you know, Buffalo Wild Wings, which I would eat. I would have eaten that. I love Buffalo Wild Wings. Wild, wild Wings. Buffalo wild wings. Um, but like there are times where like after I got into like eating healthy food, like I was working at a place and they, they ordered stuff I didn't like or, or there, there wasn't that I just it didn't work with my diet at the time. So I just didn't eat like I ate my own food. And uh, I, I wasn't mad like I, I didn't take it personally. I realized that I was weird like I was the different one. I'm the one who wants to eat something healthy that day. But what's funny about that, when you do that, people don't like it either. Like, I remember doing that exact thing of being like, oh, I'm not going to get anything today. And people go, what? Because, like, it's, it's again like the thing of, like, Eric never eats his fries. Oh, Eric didn't eat the, the, uh, the pizza we ordered. Eric didn't eat the donuts we got. You know, it, it becomes like by not doing something, sometimes, like, you get noticed and like when I, when I decided to start eating healthy and like did that a couple times, I remember like people were like, oh, I noticed that you're not eating the takeout. But it was just like, oh, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, you know, it's, it's fine. Like they almost personalize that, <laughs> you know, so it never ends. It really doesn't like and that's what I'm saying where it's like to coexist with other people means these little melodramas are going to play out. And even if you yourself are not sucked into them, you will be invited into them repeatedly and constantly. They will think that you, they will think that the office is ordering Indian food just to piss them off. Not even joking. Oh, you're, the reason the office is ordering Indian food is just to piss me off. Um, and uh, oh, the reason why he, ha he hasn't made plans with me for a couple weeks is he's ghost. Oh, he decided to ghost me. The reason she blah, 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 is because she blah, blah, blah. You know. Um, but the thing is, like, when, when you don't do that, 
Well, because I mean, it's what I was saying about like the bigger picture stuff too, where it's like politics. Like, oh, today Obama bin Biden said this. Oh, today Obama bin Biden said that you know inflation isn't as bad as we think it is. And can you believe that he said that? Can you believe he's lying to us? And you know, it's like that. That's like the topic of the day. So even if it's not your personal life, you'll find a way. Life finds a way, and this is life. I guess the thing is, though, it, it's to like, it's to part, you have to participate. Like, it's what I'm saying about like non-participation is an invitation too. Because somebody says, oh, I noticed that you're not eating the same thing we're eating. Oh, I noticed you don't want to do the thing we want you to do. And you'll get noticed for that too. So it's like the idea is like there's this, there's almost like this sweet spot or something that's very elusive and hard to find where you're doing enough of the thing that everybody's doing, but not so much that you're caught up in it. Not so much that it, it's bad for you because you need that to connect with people. That's what I'm getting at here. It's why you can't just look at people and say, oh, they're all sheep because of this. Oh, everybody's doing that because they're stupid. You can't be that person. You have to resist that. You have to develop a muscle around that because you can't think that way. You really can't. And, uh, you know, because uh, that becomes your story. Like, and the people who think that way, they go through life thinking that all the time and their story becomes everybody's stupid and I'm smart or not stupid and therefore like my life is this I'm the hero like basically what that is is it's like saying I'm the hero everybody's stupid everybody's bad and I'm good everybody's stupid and I'm I'm smart everybody's bad and I'm good <laughs> you know that's what people are communicating you know <laughs> everybody's smart and I'm stupid Everybody's good and I'm bad. You don't want to think that way either. <laughs> you know, you don't want to think the opposite way either. Like, uh, but anyway, um, what do we got here? What am I thinking of here? What am, what am I thinking of here? Let me think here. I guess just uh, the idea of like, like how to, I guess what I wanted to get to a second ago was just like the fact that this is such a big part of being a person. This is such a big part of life. And if you don't engage in some of this, you don't really engage with people. You know, gossip, there's a reason why one of the big things we talk about is gossip. You know, there's a reason why like what connects people is often talking about people. And it's not just one type of person who does that. Like there's that quote that people like that's like, small people talk about people, like big people talk about things. That's It's the same version of that, like people is sheep. Sheep talk about people. People talk about philosophy and science and religion. Like there's this idea that like, you know, yeah, gossiping too much is bad. Talking too much about people is bad. But there's this this kind of lore surrounding that that says like, oh, small-minded people talk about people. Like big-minded people talk about things. 
And like, yeah, there's some truth to that. Like, I'm that's not I'm not going to reject that idea out of out of out of hand or whatever. But it, it, people also get caught up in that, and it's like, well, if you're not talking about people, how are you talking about things? You know, those two things kind of feed into each other. And if you're not talking about things, how are you not talking about people? I'm not trying to be clever here. I'm just literally saying, like, I don't know how to talk about things without talking about people. I see people as connected to everything that I could ever potentially talk about. If I'm talking about ideas, well, I can't really do that without talking about people very for very long. I, I can't really talk about anything. It's all going to come back to people somehow. And if I talk about people, it's all going to come back to things somehow too. I think the real answer to that is talk about both. I think if you talk too much about people, that's a problem. But if you talk too much about things, that's a problem. Talk about both. Both of them are kind of what make them what they are. What makes things interesting is that people do things with them. That people think things with them or they think them. What makes people interesting is that they interact with things. So it's like both of those things, to me, are totally symbiotic. They make each other interesting. And they aren't really that interesting on their own. Um, it's like, what's a thing? Like, oh, a thing. Like, it's a weed whacker. Oh, weed whackers are really an amazing tool. Well, what if it's just sitting there in a garage and nobody's using it? It needs a person, right? <laughs> I'll, I'll move on from that topic. But, uh, you know, you need a little bit of this people thing. You need a little bit of this gossip. You need to be part of the drama a little bit. It's just that you have to have control over it and you have to resist it a, a certain amount. But that's just discipline. Like, discipline is resistance. That's what discipline is. It's like you're developing the ability to resist doing something that you otherwise wouldn't do or vice versa. You're, you're trying not to do something that you otherwise would do. Discipline is resistance that goes both ways. Doing a little motivational talk here. Uh, but that's what it is. It's just having the resistance and like control. Like if you find yourself gossiping about something being aware of the fact that that's what you're doing. If, if you um, find yourself like explaining something to somebody who didn't ask for an explanation, you know, if, if you find yourself mansplaining to somebody, being aware and like catching yourself while you do it, not man, you, you should, if it was a woman, you should be mansplaining to her. I think men need to do a lot more mansplaining to women, if you ask me. But if you catch yourself mansplaining to a man or, you know, a child or an animal, catch yourself and be like, yeah, I don't need to, I don't need to mansplain to another man, a child or this animal. Whereas if it's a woman, please, please make sure that you mansplain as much as possible. Make sure that she can't really talk about anything without you mansplaining to her a little bit. She needs it. Um, <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Gonna give myself a little, uh, a little laugh at my own joke there, but um, anyway, like you know, you need a little bit of, uh, you need to engage in this a little bit. It's it, to me, it's like a movie or something, where like if you're watching a movie, 
and you just say to yourself, oh, that's fake. Oh, I can see, I can see the special effects. So I can see, oh, I can see the zipper on the monster's costume. This is fake. People think, like, I mean, people think they're so freaking clever with that stuff. Oh, you, you notice that's fake. That was a big thing. Like, growing up when I grew up, like, now you can go online and watch, like, blooper reels whenever you want. And, like, everything's analyzed. Like, IMDb has a section for every movie that says, tells you what the mistakes are. Oh, here's where you can see, like, a boom mic or whatever. But, uh, you know, when I was growing up, like, you didn't have stuff like that. So, like, people thought they were really clever because they'd be like, oh, if you, like... If you pause it when the monster comes in the room, you can see, like, the zipper on the side of his costume. And, like, another one was like, oh, okay, that's so fake. Oh, do you know that's fake? It's the pro wrestling atheists I always talk about. Like, the pro wrestling atheist who thinks they're doing you a service by telling you it's fake. Or that Santa Claus isn't real, whatever it is. Like, people think they're very clever. Like, because that person, like, the pro-wrestling atheist who tells you, oh, did you know it's fake? You know pro-wrestling fake? You know pro-wrestling fake? Yeah, that person who says that to you, they think that they're like, they want, they don't, first of all, they don't actually care what you think. Like, what they're doing is saying, I'm smart enough to know this is fake and you might be stupid if you think it is. That person can't comprehend that you know it's fake but believe it anyway, or have faith in it anyway. Like the idea, like I think about myself, like when I was a, when, when pro wrestling got really big again, like I was into pro wrestling when I was little and then it had this boom, you know, as everybody knows, like the, the raw years and everything. And I was really into it during those years too. And I knew it was fake though. Like, at that point in my life, like, I might not have known it was fake when I was four years old, but by the time I was, like, 12 and 13 and watching Raw's War, I knew it was fake. Like, I, I'd grown up knowing wrestling was fake. Like, I could tell that, like, that's not how you actually punch somebody. I could tell that, like, if you give somebody a pile driver, like, they're, you're going to break their neck. And, you know, I could tell, like, some of the things that these guys do to each other would kill them if they were real, like I knew what I was watching was fake, but I believed in it anyway. And somebody who's like, did you know pro wrestling's fake? Oh, like they think that your enjoyment is coming from like a delusion. Like they think that, oh, you're, you're enjoying pro wrestling because you're stupid or ignorant and you don't know this is fake. Because if you knew that it was fake, you couldn't possibly enjoy this or believe in it somehow. Yet these are the same people who are going to the movies and watching TV shows. Like, I'm not going to go to someone's house when they're watching a sitcom and go, do you know this is fake? They're not actually in a, a house right now. They're not, like that family, like full, I'm watching Full House. That family's not even related to each other. You know that? You know that the family is not even related? Like, I'm not going to someone's house and saying that, but yet they'll come to your house and be like, oh, do you know that's fake? And I guess it's because it, like, it's presented differently or something, but to me it's the same idea. Like, and I'm not being, and, and you're being just as clever as I am when I tell you that a movie's fake. I could understand it with like, you know, when Blair Witch Trial came out, which was a really interesting moment in time 
Because that thing was like, obviously it was parodied a lot. But like getting away from the whole like parody, like most people are probably more familiar with the parodies than they are anything. But when the Blair Witch Project came out, like the buzz was like so fucking strong so quickly. And then it died off so quickly. There were like two weeks whenever that movie came out. It was probably like what, 1999? 1999? What year did that come out? came out in 999 probably 1999 i don't know that came out though like the buzz was like so strong and thick for like two weeks where everybody's like is it fake like i don't know man you think it's fake i saw it dude it's so scary see i think what happened is that you know like people were really sucked in everybody it was kind of like pro wrestling where everybody knew that they weren't actually watching like a snuff film but it was enough that like People were really taken by it. They were really, they were, <laughs> people were like really scared. I saw it in the theater and people were like, I don't even remember what it was about. Like it was just people like fucking around in the woods at night, like just wandering around being scared. But it was, it was done very vaguely with very little. And, you know, if it hadn't been parodied, like I think if it hadn't like gotten as big as it did, I think it, I think people today would genuinely consider it kind of a cult film. It was it got so big and it was parodied so much that I think like a lot of people are just like, oh yeah, that's that was funny that people cared about that. But I think that I think if that had just come out, if that had been an independent movie that was shown in you know just select theaters, I think people would talk about it today like that was an impressive like idea to like just basically make an like a major movie with camcorders of people acting scared in the woods but because it got so big people like dismiss it but there were two weeks there where like i saw it in the theater and like the whole theater was like grip gripped people who saw it would come to school and be like oh dude i saw blair witch oh my god dude just so fucking crazy man like they were really taken by it but it was fake and we all knew it was fake like everybody, all these girls and people at school who were flipping out, like they knew it was fake. They knew that like this this group of people didn't just disappear in the woods and die and everybody's paying money to go see it in movie theaters, you know? Like like people knew they weren't like going to the movie theater to watch a real disappearance of people under suspicious circumstances. Like imagine that. Like, but people were having debates and stuff, like little friendly debates. Like, do you think it's actually real? Like we were in a different time. This is before the internet really took over. Like, there was a part of people that wondered if that was real. Like, you hear about that story about, like, War of the Worlds getting read on the radio back in the day, and people thought that there was actually an alien invasion. Like, I can understand how that happened, because, like, people kind of did that with Blair Witch Project. Like, they kind of they wanted, to, I think they wanted to think it was real, but they were just convinced enough. Like, they were willing to believe it. When the reality is, like, think about how absurd that is. Like, millions of people across the country are paying, like, they're buying movie tickets to go watch, like, these people disappear in a haunted forest who really died. <laughs> like, the idea that, like, people would, would see that is funny, but it was just a different time where people thought about that. Or, or people were, like, willing to, like, suspend their, they were willing to, like, suspend their, like, suspend reality. And that's kind of what pro wrestling always was. Like, 
on one hand, like when I was watching a lot of pro wrestling, I knew it was fake, but I also like was willing to let my reality be suspended while I watched it because I would get sucked in. Like I would get sucked into the story. Like I still remember watching uh, like SmackDown. I remember watching SmackDown and calling my friend Robin and he was watching it too. And we were like talking about like what's going to happen next week. You know, what's going to go down on Raw? Oh, what did you think about this match? Like, but like we were, we were really, I mean, this guy, my friend Robin, he, you know, he, he's very successful now. I haven't talked to him in a long time. You know, he's very, very, very successful musician now. Uh, and he, one of the smartest people I ever met, like those kids you grew up with and like, you know, he and I like went different ways and stuff, but like one of the smartest, like sharpest people I ever met, but here I am at like 14 years old. He called me or I called him and like, we're like, we're gossiping about the Hardy brothers. Oh dude, who do you think's going to win the ladder match? Oh, dude, do you see Goldust's new costume? Dude, you see that, uh, oh my god, dude, like, dude, Stone Cold came back, dude. What do you think, dude, what's up with that? Dude, you see how, like, Tori, Tor, they had Tori flirting with X-Punk? What do you think Kane's gonna think about that? Like, you get sucked into the story, and, like, here I am talking to, like, a guy who's really fucking smart, but we are faithful. Like, we are believing in, in this because we can. We know it's fake, but, like, we're believing in it because we can. And that's, like, that's what a pro wrestling atheist can't comprehend. It's what an atheist can't comprehend. It's like, I'm believing in this because I can. And when I do that, something happens. But I have to make sure I'm believing in the right thing. And somehow, when I believe in the right thing... I experienced something. And that's the whole point. When you watch a movie, you know it's fake. And nobody wonders. Like, there's nobody, except for like little blips like Blair Witch Project, where people were like, is it real? Is it fake? You know, most movies people go and see, and they never once say, I don't know if this is a documentary or not. I don't know if I'm watching real people or not. Like, nobody goes and, and sees the movie Speed. And says, like, I, I, I don't know if I'm actually watching people who are in a hijacked bus and, and where there's a cop, like, having to, like, jump aboard on a moving highway. Like, nobody thinks they're watching that, but yet, like, every little thing you're gripped by, like, you care. You believe in it and you care. While you're there watching it, you want a certain resolution. And I can tell you what, I saw Speed in the theater and I can tell you that if that movie ended with the bus blowing up to smithereens, if the end of Speed was that bus with the bomb on it just being blown to smithereens and people dying and that was just the end of the movie, people would be severely affected. Maybe the whole rest of their day. And I don't even know what that would be like because like, we don't do that. Like... That's the interesting thing about it is like I don't even know what, what would happen. Like if the movie Speed had ended where the bomb is on the bus and the bus blows up and all the people die. 
I'm sure someone's made a movie like that, but not on a mainstream level. So what would that do to people's psyches? It would, it would damage them because while they're watching that movie, they believe in it. While they're watching that story, while they're experiencing that story, they believe in it. Not because they think that Keanu Reeves is actually Jack. Because they think, he, and you know, by the way, Jack and Speed, if that's his name, Jack and Speed, he never eats his fries. Did you know that Jack from Speed never eats his fries? I'm going to look that up. I want to see if his name is Jack. I feel like I, it's probably been, God, like 25 years since I've seen that movie. But Jack movie. Jack movie speed. It's kind of a hard thing to look up because I was going to type in Jack speed. Yeah, I got it right. Jack Traven. I wouldn't have gotten that. I wouldn't have known his. Uh... One of the questions I typed in Jack from speed. And one of the things it says, people also ask who plays Jack on speed. And I'm like, is, is anybody watching speed who doesn't know that's Keanu Reeves? Uh, but anyway, yeah, like if that movie ended like that, you know, um, or whatever. I don't know. Nobody, nobody thinks Keanu Reeves is actually Jack. You know, same thing for pro wrestling. It's like you believe, but like for whatever reason, like there aren't really movie atheists, although there kind of are. You know, there kind of are movie atheists now that I think about it, because like there were, it's kind of what got me going on this is that there are those people who watch something like they watch a, like a cheesy horror movie and they're like, oh, you can totally tell that's ketchup. Oh, you can totally, you, you can totally tell that's ketchup. And they, they think it's clever to point that out. You, when you realize that like a lot of people's story too is like thinking they're clever. It's a story where, I, oh, I'm so clever, I noticed this. I'm so clever, I observed the thing that nobody else observed. Oh, I noticed that the monster costume is fake. Oh, I, I noticed that the blood is ketchup. Oh, I, I noticed the stunt double. I noticed that when the, the main character like fell off the cliff that they used a stunt double. I could tell it was a different guy. That stuff's interesting. I mean, I think that's that's a, I, 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 that's kind of a cool thing about the past is that like we did do that. Like we did watch movies over and over again. First of all, like when I think about watching, I mean, I, tangent here, but like my family owned some VHSs, and we would just watch them over and over again. <laughs> like like stuff that like we didn't even love that much. Like there were movies you would get, and like usually the movies you got were ones you liked. But, like, somebody would come over to your house and you'd be like, yeah, I'm just going to watch this again. I'm just going to watch this movie again. I'm just going to watch Speed again. <laughs> I'm just going to watch Speed again. Just something that we used to do. Like, I'm sure some people do that now, but it was just because it's like you didn't have anything else available. Like, the v like you would rent movies and stuff, but, like, you had movies you owned on VHS and you'd just be like, oh, I'm just going to watch this again. And, like, you familiarized yourself with, like, the, like, so much of these movies that you would end up noticing things about them. You, like, my friend and I would watch Point Break over and over again. We watched Point Break so many times, and each time we explored a different part of that world. Like, each time we noticed a different guy in the background, and we would pause it. Like there was a guy my friends and I would joke about, like, where they're, they're like, walking near the beach, and, like, he goes inside the cafe... 
And like you see a guy like walking down the beach. He has like glasses and long hair, and he's like he's just walking really like 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 stupid stoned like. And we would just laugh at that and like pause it and be like, look at that guy. We noticed that extra that you're not even supposed to notice. You're just supposed to like see a body in the background while you watch the story. But we would watch this movie so many fucking times that we would notice every single little thing, every little nuance. We would, we would like, mem- you know, we would just remember the lines like a song or something because that's kind of what it becomes. Like the way that we would remember the lines because I can tell you we didn't do it on purpose. When we would watch Point Break... We wouldn't memorize the lines on purpose. We would just memorize them. It was like like lyrics to a song or something. Give me two meatball sandwiches, Utah. Two. You know, it's like you'd remember Gary Buse's Buse's Gary Abuse. Gary Abuse. You'd remember Gary Abuse's. Uh, you know, all of his lines. You would remember everything everybody says. Because it was, it was like a song you were watching. And that just came through the repetition and everything. And Because it was like you explored a, a, a different corner of that world. What you could see of that world every time you watched it. It's what you would do with Star Wars. Like you watch the cantina scene. And you notice a different alien. You notice a different little detail. Um, it was immersive in that way. I wonder how much of that goes on now. Like I don't watch a lot of movies at all. I'm lucky if I watch one movie a year, no exaggeration. So I don't know if like people growing up now are doing this with like Netflix and stuff. Like I know little kids like repetition, but families would do this. Like this wasn't just like a little kid watching like Barney over and over again. This isn't a little kid who watches like the same episode of like Peppa Pig, which I don't know what that is really, but I understand it to be popular. But it's like if a, if a little kid watches like Peppa Pig over and over again, they they enjoy that repetition. But like growing up, like entire families and adults did it. Like you would go over to an adult's house and they would just have a certain set of movies and they would just pick one that you've all seen a million times and you would just watch it. And if you had watched it enough times and like liked it, you would notice things. But... uh I don't know how much of that goes on with like families and stuff now, like with, with Netflix and just different streaming services and things like, and I, and whether it's good or bad, I'm not even saying, I'm just, I just wonder if that even takes place where like a family is just like, as a family, we're going to watch this movie again for the 50th time. Cause you did start to see movies that many times. Like there were some movies that I wouldn't even say were that popular in my family but you'd end up watching it again. Home Alone or something like which was a good movie. Obviously, Home Alone was good and fun for everybody, but that was a movie that like everybody had it. And because every single family had a copy of Home Alone, which is kind of crazy. Like that's the wild thing about those days too, is that like every single family had certain movies. But it was also like cool because you go over to somebody's house and they, they would have this. Oh, you have that movie. But there was some like Home Alone that everybody had. And as a result, you ended up seeing those not just like at your house, but you go over to somebody else's house and like, oh, their their brother's watching it. You know, you go over there. Oh, they're watching Home Alone again. Yeah, I'm just going to watch it. And then they would show this shit on TV too, of course. So like you'd just be watching TV and be like, oh, Home Alone's on. I guess I'll watch it. 
but uh, um, what's my thought here? Stories. You never, you never once like sat and thought like, oh, this is fake. But like, because you watch these things so many times, you would start to notice like the fake parts, and and that was fun. Like being like, oh, look at this thing. Oh, look, you can see the wire. Oh, when 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 the guy flies, you can see the fishing line that they're using to hold him up with. Whatever. Like you would notice things like that. But there was somebody who kind of took it too far, like the pro wrestling atheist. Who would be like, look at the fishing line. That means this sucks. That was the difference. That's the distinction. Is that that one person would watch it and be like, oh, you can see the zipper on the monster's costume if you pause it for a split second. That means this is sucks. It means it sucks. It means it sucks. You can see the zipper on the monster's costume. It means it sucks. You know that means it sucks. And... that was the idea behind, like, the pro-wrestling atheist. Like, this is fake, so it sucks. Oh, and the fact that you don't know it's fake means you don't know it sucks. But the idea of knowing it's fake but not thinking it sucks is foreign to them. And that's kind of life, right? <laughs> that's why I always talk about the illusion. Like, part of the illusion of life is... Knowing it's fake, but not thinking it sucks. Because when you say that life is fake, or when you say that life is an illusion, somebody thinks that that's negative. They think, oh, that means that it sucks, right? And you go, no. No. Life's an illusion, but it doesn't suck. And when you take that mindset, you can do a lot with it, right? Back to motivational speaking. I I could use a motivational speaker right now because my situation is pretty pretty dire at the moment. But I'll I'll figure something out. But uh, you know, it, it's I don't know. It's just uh, I shouldn't yeah, I shouldn't say shit like that. But anyway anyway though, it's it's just like uh, when you recognize the illusion, but don't think life sucks. You don't have to think it's good. Like, you don't have to think the illusion's better than it is, but when you don't think it sucks, that's that's huge. Just not thinking something sucks is a huge step in the right direction. That's all the freedom in the world. That's the middle path right there. That's seriously it. You want to talk about the Buddhist middle path? It's all it is, is not thinking something sucks. Not thinking it's great either. Looking at it and saying... Well, I know that thing doesn't suck. But not going into it with any preconception at all. That's basically what that is. Because if you don't think something sucks, well, you can do anything with it. You know, it can be anything. It can be anything to you. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun 
reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free So take